بسم الله والحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا Welcome everybody inshallah Jazakumullah khair for your attendance uh, We hope to do this course Zad al-Mustaqna' It's going to be focusing on the book pertaining to purification for the next 15 weeks or so inshallah as we know, the Prophet Sallallahu said, مَنْ يُرِدِ اللَّهُ بِهِ خَيْرٍ فِي الدِّينِ That whoever Allah wants to give him good, then he will give him fiqh, understanding of the religion. And the Prophet Sallallahu said, مَنْ سَلَكَ طَرِيقًا يَلْتَمِسُ فِيهِ أَلْمِ سَهَلَ اللَّهُ لَهُ طَرِيقِ That whoever takes a path therein to seek knowledge, then Allah will make his path for him easy to Jannah. So something this time that you have given up, I know it's hard after work, etc. But the reward for it is immense. And that's what you have to keep in mind. Especially when studying fiqh. Because when studying fiqh, you'll find that it's not like going to a lecture where your iman gets boosted. For some of us, yes, we really enjoy the study of the fiqh. For others, you'll find it technical and slightly dry in topic. That's why the ulama, they used to say that you have to switch between studying fiqh and studying raqaiq, that which softens the heart. Because fiqh, by its nature, is a bit dry and technical. So the reason I say this as a prelude is that you need to have the commitment within yourself to benefit. Don't just come for one or two lessons and then leave. Try to stick and see it through. And that's where you will find the benefit by the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The author of this text of Zad al-Mustaqna' Sharifuddin Abu Najam Musa ibn Ahmad al-Hajjawi al-Maqdisi. He died 960 Hijri. Sharafuddin Abu Najam Musa ibn Ahmad al-Hajjawi al-Maqdisi is one of the later scholars of the Hanbali Madhab and one of the Imams of Ahlul Sunnah. His status in the Madhab and outside of the Madhab is a very important one. And this book also has a very significant place amongst the Hanabila. It has many explanations and is taught in a variety of places. In fact, in Saudi Arabia, for example, before you can become a judge, you have to study this book intricately. And if you study this book intricately, then you are considered to have qualified with other, of course, uh, things that you need to study as a Sharia judge. So the text itself is a very important text. And it has many explanations. The most famous of them probably is Rawd al-Murbi' by Imam al-Bahuti. Rawd al-Murbi' by Imam al-Bahuti. Now, the introduction that I've taken is from the explanation of Sheikh Hamad al-Hamad of his explanation of this matan zad al-mustaqni'. He mentions what are the benefits of study, studying a matan, a matan in a madhab. He says one of the benefits which is very clear and evident is that it's very well organized. The matan is well organized as compared to going to a book of a hadith pertaining to the ahkam, pertaining to the rulings of the sharia which are kind of not organized consistently from topic to topic. You will find that the rules and the regulations may be all over the place. So it's difficult for you as a student to concentrate and to regulate your journey in learning. So studying a text in a madhab is clearer. It's more better organized. And you find that, for example, the famous book of hadith pertaining to ahkam, bulug al-maram, written by who? Who is Bulugh al-Maram written by or collected by? Imam ibn Hajj al-Asqalani, right? It's a famous book on hadith pertaining to ahkam. 
So this book was written along the lines of a text in a madhab. It followed the same pattern, okay? So it shows you the importance of that. Another thing that Sheikh Hamid, he mentions with regards to the benefits is that when you study a text, the ulama that have written these texts, they not only give you the rulings, they give you extra information pertaining to the ruling. For example, they will mention to you the conditions of that particular ruling, the shurut. And they will mention to you the restrictions, the qiyud. And all of this gives you a better holistic understanding of what is being spoken about as pertaining to the issue that you are trying to learn. It becomes more holistic for you. And that's why the ulama, they said, الحكم على شيء فرع من تصوره الحكم على شيء فرع من تصوره That for a person to give a ruling on a matter, he first needs to have a complete understanding holistically of that matter. By understanding what are the conditions of that matter, what are the rules pertaining to it, what are all of the evidences, and generally you find that's how the matan or a matan gives you the information. And of course, as we know, most of the great Imams of Ahlul Sunnah, they studied texts in the Madahib. They went step by step and they learned the fundamentals that are taught through these texts. Like Ibn Taymiyyah, these famous Imams and many others, they all came through the study of these texts. Not this one particularly, but texts which are similar to it in the Madahib. And the ulama, they said, Man hurimal usul, hurimal usul. Man hurimal usul, hurimal usul. That whoever is forbidden or whoever does not get hold of the foundation knowledge, then he will be prevented from reaching. He'll be prevented from reaching the end goal, which is to have a solid understanding of the fiqh. So if you are forbidden from the early stages, which are found in these texts, then there's no way you can get to the higher stages, as we will come to know more and more. Now many of you, you have the text which has been translated so far, so far because there's a lot more to translate, but every few weeks I'll be increasing the amount of the text which is translated and I'll send it out to you. What I forgot to put on the text was the first statement of the Imam's text where he said, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Yours, I believe, starts from Alhamdulillah. So the first thing that the Imam, he said in this text, Zadul Mustaqna, okay, he said, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Why did he start with the Bismillah, the Basmalah? Why do you think? Did he just decide, like, you know, it feels good, let's start with the Basmalah? What was the reason, do you think? So start with the name of Allah because this is the way which is the Sunnah of the Prophet and it's the way of the Quran that it starts with the Basmalah and the Prophet in his correspondence to whoever he would be communicating with, he would start with the Basmalah. For example, in Bukhari and Muslim, the Prophet said, Bismillah rahman rahim min Muhammad Abdullah ila Azim al-Rum ila Harqal Azim al-Rum. When the Prophet wrote to Harqal, for example, he started his letter with Bismillah rahman rahim So it's something that is found in the Sunnah of the Prophet and as we will come to know, it's something which is extremely important and beneficial to do. Bismillah, this word, the ba, in the Bismillah, the Basmala, the ba, they call it the ulama, ba'ul isti'ana, wa ba'ul tabarruk, the ba of isti'ana, which is the ba of seeking aid from Allah Azawajal, and the ba of tabarruk, the ba of having barakah and blessings. That when you say Bismillah, you're saying, oh Allah, I seek your aid, 
and I seek barakah from you in this action which I'm about to do. So the author here, he, see, he seeks the aid or he sought the aid of Allah and barakah from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in authoring this text, in authoring this book. Ar-Rahman is the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala pertaining to the great mercy that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has. It's a sifatul dhatiyah. Sifatul dhatiyah means that it's a part of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ar-Rahman, the ever merciful subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ar-Rahim is, has the same meaning that of excessive amount of mercy. And the difference here is that this is sifa al-fi'liyah, meaning that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala acts in a merciful manner towards his creation. Tayyib ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. The author, Abu Musa al-Hajjawi, he said, Alhamdulillahi hamdan la yanfad. Alhamd means that a person praises and mentions the good qualities of the one that he is praising. A person praises and mentions the good qualities of the one that he's praising. So of course, when you praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you are remembering the perfect qualities that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has. And how beautiful and majestic Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. And generally, when a person thinks of hamd, alhamdulillah, he thinks of that as a form of shukr. And that is one of the meanings of hamd. That it contains the meaning of shukr, that when somebody gives you something, you praise them. When Allah gives you something, you praise Him. But with regards to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it is above and beyond that. Because whether Allah gives or He doesn't give to you, you still praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Take the example of a person who is known to be kind, generous, brave, etc, etc. That person is embodied with so many good qualities that even though you don't know the person per se, individually, but you hear of the person, you would praise that person. That so-and-so is known to be generous. So-and-so is known to be brave. So even though you're not receiving for that person, you will still praise that person. And to Allah belongs the highest example. Even if it were to be the case, which is never the case, because everybody receives in every single moment from Allah So we need to be thanking Allah every moment. But if it was the case that you didn't receive from Allah, you would still praise Him subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why? Because He's deserving of praise. Because beautiful and perfect and majestic subhanahu wa ta'ala in ibn majah it's narrated that the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam that the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam as narrated ibn majah it would be narrated about him with that whenever he would see something that pleased him he would say praise be to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with whom's favor these bounties are given and perfected. وَإِذَا رَأَى مَا يَكْرَهُ قَالْ الْحَمْدُ عَلَى كُلِّ حَالٍ And if the Prophet ﷺ saw that which displeased him, he would say, praise be to Allah in all situations. So this is the situation of the righteous slave, that he praises Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in all of his situations. The Imam, the author, he said, حَمْدًا لَا يَنْفَدْ What does that mean? What did you have written in your notes there? So that you're staying with me. Okay, a praise that never ends. A praise that never ends. What does this mean? The one who's praising Allah does his praise never end? At times, the one who's praising, his praise will end. Maybe he will get busy, so he forgets to praise Allah 
Maybe he will pass away so there's no more, no more praise from him. But as we said, even if none of the creation are praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then Allah is praised because he's deserving of praise. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even if me and you are not praising him, then Allah has countless number of creation that praise him. As Allah mentioned in Surah Al-Isra, And there's nothing except that it praises Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah He's praised continually and by everything in creation subhanahu wa ta'ala. The next thing that the author mentions, he says, Wa sallallahu. When you say sallallahu, you are asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to send salah upon Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So what did this salah mean? When you send salah upon Muhammad sallallahu alayhi Muhammad in any of its forms, you are asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to mention the virtues, characteristics, to, to make thana upon Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to make thana upon Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the highest of gatherings amongst the angels and those with whom, with, whom are with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the meaning of sallah, sallallahu, okay? As collected by Imam Abu Alia, mentioned by Imam Abu Alia, rahimullah ta'ala, and collected by Imam Bukhari. And when you say wasallim, it comes from the word salama, which means peace and tranquility and safety. So when you say sallallahu alayhi wa sallim, when you say the part which says sallim, you are asking Allah after mentioning the praise of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, you are asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam from all types of harm and all types of shortcomings that may befall him, whether in life or after life. And then you say, the Imam, he said, the author, he said, ala aftalil mustafain upon the best of the Mustafain. The Mustafain are those messengers who are the messengers and prophets of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it means in English that this salah should be, uh, should be upon the best of the chosen ones. And the chosen ones are who? The prophets and messengers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wa sallallahu wa sallam ala al-afdal al-mustafain Muhammad. Muhammad, the well-known name of this blessed prophet of ours, Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Muhammad is ismul maf'ul ala al-wazan mufa'al. Okay, if you understand that Arabic, then good, alhamdulillah. If not, then Muhammad in Arabic is upon the scale in Arabic, words and verbs, they have scales and patterns. So Muhammad sallallahu fits upon the scale of mufa'al. And mufa'al, it has the meaning of tikrar. Okay, a meaning of repetition. So Muhammad sallallahu is the one who is praised repeatedly. Is this the case? Is Muhammad sallallahu praised repeatedly? In all of the time zones, whenever the adhan is called, the name of Muhammad sallallahu is mentioned. Whenever the people pray, they mention the name of Muhammad sallallahu In so many places, the name of Muhammad sallallahu is mentioned and rightfully so. And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَرَفَعْنَا لَكَ ذِكْرَكَ O Muhammad, we have ensured that your name will be made high and remembered often and this is the reality of the situation what's the other famous name of muhammad that's his kunya ahmed the one who praises allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the most 
So you have Muhammad the one that is praised the most or praised often and then Ahmad the one who is the most praising of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because Prophet Muhammad knew Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala more than any other of his creation. So the Imam, the author, he said, وَصَلَّ وَسَلَّمْ عَلَىٰ أَفْضَلِ الْمُصْطَفَيْنِ مُحَمَّدْ وَعَلَىٰ آلِهِ وَعَلَىٰ آلِهِ And also the Salah is upon the Al of Muhammad Al comes from Ala Ya'ulu. Ala Ya'ulu means to return. To return to a person, okay, in terms of nasab, in terms of lineage. Okay, so the Al is that which returns to a person in terms of his lineage. And here, of course, the al is used in two ways. Ma'na al-am wa ma'na khas. Okay? Am, which is a general meaning, and khas, which is a specific meaning. Am, the general meaning, means for anybody who follows Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Anybody who believes in Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and follows him. Al, uh, sorry, the specific meaning of al is referring to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's close family and relatives, okay? So these are the two meanings of Al-Al, the two usages. And then the Imam, the author, he says, وَأَصْحَابِهِ And the companions of Muhammad Wasallam. May the Salah be upon the companions of Muhammad Wasallam. Who is a companion? مَنْ لَقِيَ النَّبِي صلى الله عليه وسلم مُؤْمِنًا بِهِ وَمَاتَ عَلَىٰ ذَلِكَ Whoever met the Prophet ﷺ was believing in him and then died upon that belief. That is the definition of a companion, right? So if somebody met the Prophet ﷺ, believed in the Prophet ﷺ, whilst the Prophet ﷺ was alive, of course, because he met him, and then the person left Islam but then came back to Islam. Is this person a Sahabi? Still a Sahabi. So the person met the Prophet ﷺ whilst he was alive and he believed in him. And then the person left Islam and the Prophet passed away to solve your issue. And then the man came back to Islam. Is this person a Sahabi? Yes. Okay. The person is still a Sahabi because he's going to die on Islam. That's the important thing, right? He's going to die on Islam, right? A person met the Prophet but didn't believe in him. But later on after the Prophet died, the person believed in him. Is he a Sahabi? What is he considered? Huh? Tabi, right? He's considered a Tabi. طيب. So we just said a Sahabi, man laqiya nabi mu'minan bihi wa mata ala dhalik. Whoever met the Prophet believing in him and then died upon that belief. The next thing that the author says after sending salah upon the Prophet and upon his family and upon his companions, he said, وَمَنْ تَعَبَّدْ And whoever worships Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon Tawheed, then these people, salah is also deserving upon them. So anybody who worships Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then the author is sending salah upon them. What is worship? What is worship? We're studying a course in worship, inshallah. Imam Ibn Taymiyyah, rahimahullah ta'ala, he gave a good definition. He said, worship is ismun jam'un lima yuhibbuhu Allahu wa yardahu min al-aqwal wal-af'al al-zahira wal-batina. He said that worship al-ibadah is a comprehensive noun, ismun jami'ah. Lima yuhibbuhu Allah wa yardahu. For that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves and is pleased with. From actions and statements which are either apparent or hidden. Okay? So if it pleases Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah loves it, whether it's an outward action or an inward action of the heart, 
then it's considered to be worship. How do you know if Allah is pleased with something as being an act of worship? Excellent. It's found in the Quran and the Sunnah, okay, authentically upon the narrations and the understandings of the companions radiyallahu anhum. That's how we know, okay, that something is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then the author, he said, Amma ba'd. Amma ba'd is used to say after what has proceeded. As for what has proceeded, we are now entering, it's used for entering into the topic. Okay, so anything after that, Amma ba'd, anything after that which we have spoken about, and it's used to enter into the topic which is the topic of discussion. Amma ba'd. So before everything which we mentioned to now was just the author's uh, praising of Allah and sending salah upon the Prophet, his family, and all those who deserve that. So the Imam he mentions, Amma ba'du fahada mukhtasar fil fiqh. He says, as for what follows, this is a mukhtasar. Mukhtasar means a summary. And is that which has few words, but kathratul ma'ani. Its words are few, but its meanings are much. So a summary, when the ulama mention mukhtasar, they mean that which is summarized in terms of the words being less, but the meanings are many. Okay? Al-mukhtasar fil fiqh. So this is a summary in fiqh. What is the meaning of fiqh? What does fiqh mean linguistically? Understanding, Understanding right? Because Musa alayhi salam, he made dua to Allah azawajal, wahlul uqta tamilisani yafqahu qawli. Yafqahu, the same verb, the same meaning or derivative of fiqh, right? He made dua to Allah, take away the knots in my tongue so that my speech could be understood. So fiqh linguistically means understanding, right? Linguistically, what does fiqh mean? Understanding. Technically, it means istilahan ma'rifatul ahkam al-shar'iyyati al-taklifiyya al-amaliyya min adillatiha al-tafsiliyya It means knowing the rules of the sharia, having knowledge of the rules of the sharia that are upon a person to conform to and they are actions, not aqaid, not beliefs in the heart, rather they are actions. And they are taken from detailed evidences, right? Detailed evidences in meaning the hadith, the Quran, the qiyas, etc. Ma'rifatul ahkam al-shariya, al-taklifiyya, al-amaliyya, min adillatiha, al-tafsiliyya. The knowledge of rules of sharia that are upon a person to conform to, and they are actions, not aqaid, detailed evidences meaning from the Quran, the sunnah, the ijma, etc. The Imam, he said, هذا مقتصر في الفقه This is a summary of fiqh من مقنع الإمام موافق أبي محمد Where did this summary come from? This is very important because it will make you understand the value of the text that you are studying. This summary came from a book written by the great Imam Ibn Qudama al-Maqdasi rahimullah ta'ala whose book we studied previously, the chapters of Ibadat, Umdatul Fiqh, right? Those of you who were with us before, we studied his book and we know the status of this great Imam. Ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah ta'ala said about him, مَا دَخَلَ شَامْ بَعْدَ أَوْزَاءِ أَفْقَهْ مِنْ Ibn Taymiyyah That nobody entered into the lands of Sham after Imam Awza'i more knowledgeable than Imam Ibn Taymiyyah. And there's many statements of many ulama, uh, sorry, 
of Imam Ibn Qudam, not Ibn Taymiyyah. Ibn Taymiyyah was the one who's writing this statement. There's many statements of the scholars pertaining to Ibn Qudam al-Maqdasi, a well-known Imam of Ahl sunnah and a well-known Imam of the Madhab of the Hanabila. He's called the Sheikh of the Madhab, and he's called Sheikh al-Islam. So this Muqtasr, this summary which is being written by the author, okay, Al-Hajjawi, he summarized it from one of the books written by Imam Ibn Qudama. The book is called Muqni' Al-Muqni'. Ibn Qudama, he wrote a syllabus for studying fiqh. He wrote a syllabus that many hundreds of years ago before anybody else thought about writing syllabuses for education. Imam Ibn Qudama al-Maqtasi wrote one. It comprises of four books. The first of them is Umdat al-Fiqh. In Umda, the Imam, he mentions one relied upon opinion of the Madhab, of the Hanbali Madhab, right? Without any differences of opinions or anything of that nature. And he mentioned in it a few ahadith and a few verses from the Quran to prove his points, to get the talib al-ilm, to get the student of knowledge a little bit used to seeing where the evidence has come from, right? The second book is this book, Al-Muqni, which Al-Hajawi summarized into Zad al-Mustaqni, okay? Al-Muqni, Ibn Qudama, he mentioned two opinions of the Madhab, but he didn't mention any of the adilla or the ta'lilat. He didn't mention any of the evidences or the reasonings. In the third book that Imam Ibn Qudama mentioned, uh, brought about, wrote, he wrote Al-Kafi, the Safaisa, Al-Kafi. In Al-Kafi, Imam Ibn Qudama basically stuck to what was in Al-Muqni, except that now he brought about the evidences and the reasonings. So that student of knowledge, after having a solid foundation from the previous two books, can now look into detailed evidences as to where these points came from. The fourth book that Imam Ibn Qudama wrote was the encyclopedia of fiqh known as Al-Mughni. Known as Al-Mughni. It's said that Imam Nawi ta'ala, he wrote his amazing encyclopedia of fiqh, Al-Majmu' based upon this book, Al-Mughni. That Imam Nawi was so impressed by Ibn Qudama's encyclopedia Al-Mughni that he wrote his book also, Al-Majmu' according to it. In Al-Mughni, Ibn Qudama he went through every single fiqh issue and he compared it through all the madhahib. Through all the madhahib that are known, he compared it he looked at the evidences and he gave what he felt to be the strongest uh, from those evidences, right? So it's an encyclopedia of fiqh. So he wrote this curriculum with tadarruj. Tadarruj meaning step by step. Why? Because the ulama, they said, Man rama jumlatan, anhu jumlatan. Whoever takes knowledge in one go, then it will leave him in one go. So most of us, when we try to do fiqh, we start from al-mughni, deluding ourselves delusional, thinking that we can understand what's going on, right? People like to do that. When they study fiqh, yeah, I read that book, or I held that opinion because it came from there. You really don't know what you're talking about, you're just parroting what you've read somewhere or what somebody has said to you, right? In order to understand al-mughni and to be able to navigate it, you have to have had years and years of deep study, okay? In many sciences of uh, Islam. So the point is, where did Imam al-Hajjawi bring this summary from that he's bringing. He brought it from al-Muqni, which was the second book in the curriculum written by Imam Muwafaqadeen ibn Qudam al-Maqdasi. Amma ba'du fahada muqtasr fil-fiqh min muqni al-Imam Muwafaq abi Muhammad ala qawli muwahid. Naam. 
So this muqtasad, this summary that we spoke about in fiqh, it's upon qawlin wahid. It's upon one relied upon opinion, which according to the imam is the mashhur, the famous opinion in the madhab, okay? So if you want to know what is the famous opinion in the madhab, you have to look to this text, and this text will give us that, inshallah. وَهُوَ الرَّاجِحْ فِي الْمَدْهَبْ أَحْمَدْ And it is the relied upon opinion in the madhab of Imam Ahmed. The Imam, he says, the author, Al-Hajjaw, he says, وَرُبَّمَا حَذَفْتُ مِنْهُ مَسَائِلَ نَادِرَةَ الْوَقُوِي وَزِدْتُمَا عَلَى مِثْلِهِ يُعْتَمَدْ He said, I took out some issues from Muqni, the book of Ibn Qudama, when I was summarizing it. Why did I take out some of these issues? Because I don't find them in my time, which is about 300 or so years after the time of Ibn Qudama, I don't find them prevalent in my time anymore. So he took these issues out. And I increased some issues which I found that people need to rely upon. That now, in my time, people need to know these issues and they don't need to know other issues. What did this tell you about the Imam and the author? It tells you that the scholars, the righteous amongst them, they don't write books for the sake of becoming known. They don't write books for the sake of just wanting to write. They write books for the sake of serving the religion and serving the Ummah. That is the purpose behind these great Imams and these great authors. They spend their lives and their time preserving the religion for the sake of us that we can come close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Imam, he said, where are we so far? And the reason he's saying, I summarized apart from the two things he just mentioned, is that the himam, the motivation of people, the, um, the motivation of people and the determination of people has lessened. Okay, in his time he's talking about. And the things which cause people or keep people away from seeking this virtuous knowledge has increased. He's talking about his time, right? Nine, uh, 900 Hijri. Imagine our time today. And one of the greatest things which keeps a person away from seeking or benefiting knowledge, benefiting from knowledge, are sins, as the ulama mentioned. And wherever we look today, wherever we look, wherever we sit, there's sins. Imam al-Shafi rahimullah ta'ala, his memory was so strong that wherever he looked at, he would memorize. He would have to cover one side of the page so he wouldn't confuse what he's memorizing. One day, he happened to be walking and he looked upon the ankle of a woman. The ankle, the foot of a woman. Not intentionally. The wind had blown up her dress slightly. And he found that after having looked upon the ankle, he couldn't memorize the way he used to. So he complained to his teacher, Waqi. He said, He said, I complained to my teacher, the poorness of my memory, so my teacher Waqi guided me to leave alone sins. Subhanallah. And he told me that verily knowledge is light. And the light of Allah is not gifted to the one who is sinful. So we have to bear that in mind when we try to come close to Allah through learning. The next thing the Imam he says, and we'll stop with the last uh, with this part, inshallah, is that he says, He's talking about his summary that he's still talking about the summary that he made, right? He said, even though it's been summarized and it's small, he says it suffices 
one having to go to those books which are very long. What does he mean by this? Some of the ulama, they said that in this Zad al-Mustaqnir, there are over, over 3,000 masail. 3,000 masail, 3,000 issues are spoken about in this book. And others amongst them, they said, if you consider that which is mantuq and mafhum, mantuq meaning that which is specifically written, and the mafhum that which is deduced, then you will have around 6,000 masail. So though the text is quite small, it contains so much due to the barakah of the knowledge that the Imam had, he was able to summarize the book Al-Muqni of Imam Ibn Qudama and he was able to put it in such a way that it's small in size, yet it has so much in terms of meaning. And then he says, وَلَا حَوْلَ وَلَا قُوَّةَ إِلَّا بِاللَّهِ وَلَا حَوْلَ وَلَا قُوَّةَ إِلَّا بِاللَّهِ He said there is no hawl. Hawl means that there is no movement except by the permission of Allah so one does not move from the state of shirk to tawheed except with the permission of Allah. One does not move from the state of being in sin to obedience except with the permission of Allah. One does not move from being ignorant to having knowledge except with the permission of Allah And la quwa means that there is no power except from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. huwa And then the Imam he says, huwa huwa hasbuna. Allah is hasbuna. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, O Prophet of Allah, Allah is sufficient for you. Allah is sufficient for you. And this is the statement of the righteous through all times. Hasbun Allah wa ni'mal wakil. Ni'mal wakil, the one who is best to rely upon and the one who is best to dispose our affairs. Jazakumullah khair. I ask Allah to make the understanding easy for you and to make the explanation easy for me. Jazakumullah khair. Anything which was correct was from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The mistakes and shortcomings were from myself and shaitan.